This is Antonio Gibson, and you are listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining us today, a true titan of the fantasy football industry. He is a uh, what, FSGA, FSTA. He was, he's been a Hall of Famer with the Fantasy Sports Association through various name changes. He's the uh, he's the big guy over at footballdiehards.com. I believe founder. I don't know. Senior, senior editor. Uh, yes. Bob, Bob, Bob Harris. Bob, what the hell's going on, brother? Yeah, same old, same old, man. Just getting busy. So you're slowing down a little bit, right? You know, the, the race is kind of, you know, we're on the slow down laps and uh, and feeling pretty good about things. It went uh, extremely well. I'm really surprised. Well, not surprised if you listen to me back heading into the season you know my prediction was the nfl doesn't care they're playing a season (laughs) and uh sure enough they were i think it's interesting that uh the season will be remembered mostly for the last game but a lot of a lot of effort went into you know pulling this thing off i think you know if you heard joe judge's rant uh you know based on the eagles game i agree with everything he said a lot of people made a lot of sacrifices put a lot of effort in and the league's determination, you know, they were determined all along to make it happen. And they did a bunch of things to make it happen. And by golly, we got us a season in. Yeah, well, it's, I, I mean, for me, I hate, to, I, I, I hate to push back on you right here at the beginning. But to me, I just thought with Joe Judge, I felt like that was kind of some crocodile tears. If, if Let's just say it was, let's say it was, let's say that the team need, that laid down was a team that laid down, allowing his shitty team to make the playoffs. I, I, I don't think he would have been complaining about it then. Could have been a better messenger, but I agreed with the message, right? I mean, that's my point. Is, is I get in that. General is uh, you know all these teams went through, jumped through a lot of hoops, and and for one team, it, look, if it had been an early afternoon window, we wouldn't even be talking about it, right? Yeah. But it's, they got flexed into the Sunday night game. So everyone, you know, playing in front of God and everyone, and they're throwing Nate Sudfeld in there. Come on, guys. <laughs> we, got, we got this guy in the YouTube comments, Brett Forces, saying, the shirt and the guitars on the wall tell me this guy knows how to party. That's, <laughs> that's definitely true, man. There was a day. Um, <laughs> no, hey, Bob, and, and Bob still, uh, Bob, Bob still, man. We do the broadcasts for the draft and stuff, man. Bob, Bob always brings the energy, man. He's the life of the, uh, the life of the party for sure. Um, and so you talked about predictions preseason. I just let me just ask you, like, right off, just before we talk about some of this other stuff, like, what, what, how did. How did all this? How, how did the season? This is as, as, as long as we're talking about the season going on. We got through the 256 games. Holy shit! It, I mean, how like there's a lot of talk at the beginning that had me a little bit scared that they're going to try and shut this thing down on us. And then it's like, what the hell do we do? It's like, how did you navigate it? Because you have a maybe you could tell people. Um, I probably didn't do the best job introducing you to folks who, who might not know who you are, but you've been doing this since long before any of us. Um, 
even in the like internet space, you were yeah. doing it like making magazines that people would pick up on the way to their draft parties. <laughs> yeah, I started out doing faxes even, uh, you know, and uh, recording my 900 number and things like that. So I uh, started out with the internet when first started getting popular in the early 90s. But I've been doing this since 1993. I work for a company, uh, Fantasy Sports Publications, that's been made their first magazine in 1989 with the Pro Forecast. This year's Pro Forecast magazine will be the 32nd. I've been involved with them for since 93. So, um, but you know, been doing this a while and, uh, and, and, and it was like, like it was a weird year, but honestly, in the end, it ended up being kind of not weird. Some of the issues with the magazines early on trying yeah. to decide if there was going to be a season or not. Yeah. How did know? that even work? Because like, because it, at least with us, with the internet side of things, we don't have to get like gather like raw materials for something Paper, you hold in your hand, you know, like, presses, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and the other thing is that I've always wondered, and maybe I could just ask you about this while we're on this. Like, it's like, how do you make a magazine in June without knowing what the injuries are going to be, without knowing what certain situations are going to unfold? I mean, we do the training camp tour. We do all this stuff where we try, we're trying to like knowledge is up to the minute in August. And I know that at the website, maybe it was the website created in a way to be like an addendum to what that that's exactly it. Right. You know, so as the two things came together, I was pretty much really into the web thing. Uh, the people I work with, Emil Cadlick in particular, you know, did the magazine end of it. And so kind of like chocolate and peanut butter, you know, we collided and, and basically look, we're not stupid. We know the limitations of magazines, right? You have to print them and get them out to stores and people have to buy them and see them. And we've dialed it in over time. And you, you basically try and focus more on strategies and, and that kind of broader Mm -hmm. information in the magazine. And you, give the website as part of the magazine. So basically if you buy a magazine, you get a subscription to the website. So you get all updated information throughout the summer. If you want to carry on through the season, you, you pony up a little extra money, but we keep it so that everything in the magazine is built upon on the website and they work together hand in glove. And that's kind of the idea. Did you guys find yourself in a spot, you and your business, what's your business partner's name? You said? Emil oh, email cat. All right. So I've, I, I've, I know him through, through, through twitter i believe um so when did did you guys like were, were you, i mean what was it like were you was it a bunch of tough decisions you had to yeah. make it's like are we gonna put the magazine out are we gonna was there ever a point in time where you said maybe this year we don't do it like what did you yeah. what were you saying those were those were all considerations right so i was on team from the get-go i think you know so you watch how the nfl went through this and you can remember back in you know, early March, even there, people are saying, well, how can they have free agency and pay all these people hundreds of million dollars when this thing is starting? And yet there they went. And then you said, how could they have a draft with this horrible thing? And then, right. then they had a draft. Well, how can they go into training? And then they went in through training. Camp. So all these things. But early on, it just struck me. And, and I heard, you know, maybe some inside information from people that worked at the league that Roger Goodell basically was dead set on doing this. So my vote was let's go. And uh, of course, it's easier to say that when it's not my big pile of cash that's being invested in paper, ink and et cetera, et cetera. So, right, right. but, but we did. So what we did was we ended up going with a limited set. We usually do four and a half titles. Basically we do pro forecast football, diehards magazine, a cheat sheets magazine, we call it and the draft book magazine. And those have all been around for many years. Our newest one is football diehards. It's 20 years old this past season. So, uh, so we just decided to cut back and just, go with the uh pro forecast and the football diehards magazine this year we'll bump it back up but but that was kind of the decision making process and all the things you said came into play they were all 
And it was all fairly horrifying, not knowing if there was going to be a season, the timing of getting the magazines out, all those things. I mean, it was a little bit of a concern. So uh, all worked out for the best, though. And uh, onward and upward this year, I think. Well, onward and upward and and, and something that's fair – Fairly horrifying that should segue us into fantasy football talk is the idea of David Montgomery being uh, being somebody uh, who finished the season on such a such a hot streak, Bob. And I just I'd like to hear I'd like to hear your your thoughts on Montgomery and the way the way he finished the season. What you think of that Bears offense? And if you think he's going to be overdrafted in 2021 uh, based on the based on the strength of his performance down down the stretch here in 2020. The big answer is yes. He will be overdrafted based on the strength of his run down the stretch because that's how we do. Uh, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that's the worst idea, though. I mean, look, we overdraft somebody every year. Almost everybody we draft in the first round, we're overdrafting, I think. Uh, or at least we're drafting based on, you know, sometimes a very narrow band of what we've seen before. Say Saquon Barkley, for example. I mean, he's a great player. I know he's going to be a great player. He's just got to stay on the field. David Montgomery's case, I think the thing that's made the difference this year is, you know, Matt Nagy, has decided not to outsmart himself and let's do the thing that works for us and wins us games. Now, you know, maybe he'll forget all that next year to some degree, but I don't think totally, I think he'd like to keep his job. And I think he knows that winning and he <laughs> understands the weaknesses of his quarterbacks and, uh, and, you know, relying on Mitchell Trubisky to be the, the tip of the spear of your offense has not worked out for him. Right. Same with Nick Foles. Relying on David Montgomery paid him off handsomely. They're heading into the postseason, even if they backed in. I think they'll continue to lean on David Montgomery. Hopefully they keep Allen Robinson on board, too. I think that'll be a big factor uh, either way. But, uh, you know, David Montgomery, I think people will be diving in on. You know, it might be end up being too rich for my blood. I tend to, to you know, to zig when everyone's zagging, but everyone's going to zig on this one. Everyone's heading his way. What about um, talking about other possible worries about guys who are going to be going uh, uh, maybe uh, maybe more highly based on things that happened in 2020 that might not be sustainable? And, and clearly with David Montgomery for the Bears, it's like that stretch run, it, that schedule was just so amazing. I mean, anybody perfect. with two eyes could have yep. seen it from – I mean, we all did see it. I we mean, all you talked were given about the, it before, You were given right? the advice that – yeah, like we're, oh, let's, we, 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 we were all given the same advice, try and get Montgomery for his playoff schedule. But it's it's like with with James Robinson in Jacksonville, I – I, I think it's kind of easy to see from a ways out that he might not be dependent on next year for the same kind of volume. That's my view of it. The other view is, well, a new GM, a new head coach, if they're sharp, they might say, look, we, we got this guy locked up. He's cheap. He's, we have him on an undrafted free agent deal. Let's run the wheels off. Uh, where are you in that? I, I, I guess it's a dichotomy that I have a, little bit of trouble kind of breaking up in my head which 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 side of it that i'm on i lean to that side that you just said look we have this commodity it was great last year <clears throat> let's see how this plays out this year we can invest they have so many needs on that team right and running backs seem to be apparently they'll according to james robinson you can find them anywhere uh you don't even have to draft them uh so you know look they had, so i can remember talking to byron about this last august you know during the training camp tour you know, and we were just we were running through the whole litany of guys. And I mean, we touched on him, but nobody knew what he was going to be. And it seems like with running backs, opportunities key. I think I think whoever comes in is going to realize they have a good player. And depending on their needs at other positions, they have a lot of draft capital. So maybe they can pull something off. But but my guess is he is the lead guy. I just, you know, I don't like to, you know, when, when we're drafting Alex, you know, this I draft workloads. 
or anticipated workloads. And I hope the player can deliver. As like the thing with Montgomery, I mean, I think his workload is going to be better than it was the first half of this year. Right. I don't think the schedule is going to be for as fortuitous, right? And 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 with Robinson, I don't think this uh, the new coaching staff is necessarily going to be as all in on playing a single back. That's the question for me. It seemed like the Jaguars, no matter what was going on. They were going with one guy, and they were giving him the ball. Game script be damned. They didn't care because they didn't have a lot of options, right? I think if a new staff comes in, they'll think they have more options. They'll try to diversify the offense a little bit more, and maybe we won't see that same kind of workload for Robinson. That would be the concern for me. But I th- talk about another running back that, that should concern you. Like, and I don't even think it, Todd, Todd Gurley. I don't think is even worth discussing for fantasy anymore. But I'm just curious for you, like. <laughs> In all, in all your years doing this, do you think there's a chance that he's not even on a 53-man roster? In, yes, in, 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 he's not on a 50-man, 53-man roster. He's just he just looks he looks mm-hmm. so bad, and I just I wonder if it. Does, well, think does about the, the Rams. You know, there's a reason the Rams paid him a bunch of money to go away. Right, right. Well, but the, I mean, is it is, is Todd Gurley an isolated? Is it is. If, like as you just think back about this, and we think about dynasty, and I have Byron during the Houston Texans game texting me saying like, "Look, we need to get Derrick Henry. Way I don't care his age. Uh, we need to get him way or the, the the wear and tear. We need to get him way up in our dynasty rankings, just because it's like every time you know we argue about it, he's like, "Dude, just watch him." And I do, and I'm just like, "But these running back, it feels like they can blow a tire, and then it." Um, I, it feels weird. Like, like, should, does this talk, is this Todd Gurley thing something that should be any, any kind of cautionary tale we take away from it about running backs and dynasty? Sure. Just like we should have with DeMarco Murray, like we should have with Arian Foster, like, you know, with any number of guys, the, 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 the fall tends to be precipitous and quick, right? I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it happens. Like, so when I watch Derrick Henry run, I don't see him taking the kind of punishment I see most backs taking, but is he, you know, adding the wear and tear? I I always talk about something and I think it's more pertinent with the bigger wide receivers, but the physics of the game. I mean, when you're that big and that fast, just the body isn't designed. The joints aren't designed to handle that kind of beating. And you look at some of these, you know, six, five, 240 pound wide receivers who leap up into the air and land on their back. And I mean, you do that over and over, uh, you know, it takes a toll, I think more quickly than it does on the smaller guys. I think maybe the same could be said for Henry, but what I will say for Henry is nobody is landing a big blow on him. He is not taking big shots He's not taking repeated shots, which is uh, odd because he presents so much surface area. Right. But, but, but I think that's part of his, you know, part of his style because it allows him to deliver the blows. And look, at some point he's going to, you know, it's going to add up. The workload is going to add up. Those are still, you know, we just see the thud and, you know, we hear a little thud on our television. Those are big uh-huh. hits he's taken every single time, but he is a very large man, very powerful, very fast. I like a lot of things about him, but, but I, I, I would guess his fall will be equally precipitous at some point. Um, I don't think we're there yet, though. I think we're still a couple of years away with him, or at least a good year away from him. What about Alvin Kamara and and, and Dynasty? Because I'm I'm not sh- I'm not sure. Like I've always been the biggest Drew Brees guy there is. Hell, he was my quarterback in high school. I've known him since we were kids. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, I'm starting to feel my age, and so I, I think that Drew probably is starting to Child, feel his. Please, yeah, <laughs> Drew's probably trying to start starting to feel his age uh, in some in, in some particular ways too. We've seen a little bit with um, you know this year with all the rib stuff, but all, I mean, just the arms. There's been there's been arm strength concerns for the last yeah, two or three I years. So. Um, 
now, now we've gotten to see what Alvin Kamara is in the receiving game with Taysom Hill. It was concerning because the Saints have behind the scenes and it's seeming, it seems like publicly just through the money, through the things that Sean Payton has said, it feels like that's their guy of the future. Um, what do you, what do you, I, I mean, I'm looking at these startup drafts cause we're starting to get, you know, we're starting to, we're getting into the startup draft season now and for dynasty and a few, I've seen Alba Kamara go third overall. And to me, I just worry a little bit that his receiving might not be there. Do you have, do you share these same concerns or do you have a case for Alba Kamara being taken that highly still in dynasty startups? I mean, he's going to be taken highly, but I sharing your concerns for sure. You know, and again, you're looking for pass to workload. One of the pass to workload has been Drew Brees' targeting of him. And we saw that just wasn't happening with Taysom Hill. I don't know that that changes materially. And also, the other concern with Taysom Hill is there's, you know, it's kind of like when Cam Newton is your quarterback or whatever, you know, there's some concern or Lamar Jackson, for that matter. There's Uh some concern that the, the quarterback is the biggest vulture on the team. And that's always a worry, but I'm with you. I think that, you know, his, his ability to make plays, especially as a receiver is one of the things that makes him so remarkable. Like he's a great player either way, but for fantasy purposes, I mean, I want him to get the ball in his hands as much as he can. And, and I, I do have some concerns uh, based on what we saw from Taysom Hill. The numbers bore it out. All right. Let's talk about, let's, let's talk about uh, redraft early, early, early redraft. ADPs for 2021 because we're because we're ridiculous maniacs. <laughs> we All are. right, um, and I, I, so I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna give you a player and I'm gonna give you a, a proposed a proposed ADP for a one quarterback league, just uh, as regular an old league as you can imagine, a home right. league in 2021, one quarterback, half point PPR, 12 12 teamer, the kind of uh, the the kind of league that everybody calls into the channel asking their questions about, right? Right. Okay, so let's start off with Miles Sanders. You over under the 2-3 turn, pick pick 2 pick 2 pick 211. Pick pick 2.11. He'll go higher. Really? I mean, you I don't think based, on, based on if people are going to look at what they saw down the stretch with Jalen Hurts unlocked his playmaking ability. That's what we've known about that's him what they're going to that's what they're going to say, aren't they? That's they're what they're going to draft based yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that they're right, but that's where he's going to go. Okay, and because because with Jay, and that, do you think that Bob? Like, do you think that Jalen Hurts could be the tie that kind of lifts all boats? Because the Saints no. game was awesome. You know, no, this, I don't okay. think he is. I don't think we've seen the full story. I don't think that full story has unfolded yet. Okay, okay. Um, well, how about how about Zeke? Let, uh, Zeke, let, let's say uh, middle of the second round, two point zero five. Um. That's honestly, you sounds like you're nailing some of this. Uh, that's that seems like a pretty reasonable place. I might go a little higher on him. I'm expecting maybe a little bit of a rebound. Um, once all the pieces are back, maybe offensive line gets a little bit more together. Uh, but I think this is going to be a perceived landing spot for him. It might even be a little high based on you know the letdown that people had. Well, if that's a little high to me, I would say that maybe. Could we maybe get a bargain on Zeke next year? Yeah, I think that's what I'm looking for. Look, the first thing I'm going to do as soon as I clear the cobwebs out of my head this week is I'm going to make a list of everyone who disappointed all of us, right? And those are going to be guys I target in drafts because they're going to be cheaper. I'm going to get a little bit of an edge, and I'm old, mean, and cheap, all of those things. (laughs) And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to leverage some of the disappointment that people feel (laughs) and trying to gain a little advantage with it. I think Zeke's one of those guys that will allow you to do that. And you talk, and then you can like the more I think about it, it's like you get you get Dak back. That helps the whole yeah, offense. You absolutely. get 
get another year with guy. Uh, you get another year with guys like Ceedee Lamb getting involved. It's like that kind of helps. I that think the offensive line is a big big deal this year as well. Yeah, the OL back back healthy. So, yeah, I like that. All right, what about um, a few more running backs? What about Josh Jacobs? I'll say pick two point zero eight. I'll draft him there. It's a pretty good, you know, draft and workloads. I think that's, uh, that's not unreasonable. Might be a little high in PPR because uh, despite all their chatter that they're going to get him more involved in the passing game. No, they're not. Yeah. They they just won't. No, they just won't. They, they lie every year and there's going to be another, they're, they're going to tell us at the combine they do. That, 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 that we're getting into phase three and phase three involves the pass receptions. It's possible. Like the latest, the DUI thing drives his value down a little bit. Uh, if there's some talk of suspension early on and maybe then if, if look, I'm always looking for, you know, the burning building of value so I can run in and drag the, drag the body out. Right. And, right. You know, so if something's driving a price down, I'm going, Oh, really? Well, what about, okay. What about Clyde? Clyde, Clyde Edwards, Elair, who was g- g- good through stretches, but it felt like as the season went on, his role began feeling less and less dependable. I, 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 I said 4.01. I think that, that's low. What do you think? I, I think, do you think it's too low. Okay. He's going to go. He's going to go higher than that. And people like I'm hoping for a year two, you know, renaissance. And we see this with running backs on occasion. You know, that first year doesn't necessarily go as well. Um, and the hopes were so high for him. And that's another thing, though, with the pricing is people are going to be very disappointed. Anyone who drafted him after Damian Williams opted out and started paying that one point six right off the bat. Yeah. never going to want to draft him again. Right. They, they've had it. They've had enough of this nonsense and they'll move on. And, and so if he look, if, if he falls into the fourth round, I'll be buying like crazy. What about um, what about the other what about the other rookie who went later than him? Not necessarily in, in Dynasty. These guys were basically being argued amongst the people who amongst the people who I think were on the right path with their evaluations was Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. and, and um now, geez, <laughs> to be fair, I overpaid for him like a maniac all this past season, right? Well, I think, yeah. I, think I bought as early as I, I think one of the I probably was buying him earlier than anyone I know, and I think I my earliest was like uh, like one or two one two two. Okay, I was that early, I had really big expectations for him, and what I see down the stretch is what I expected all season long. Um, I don't know that I'll still expect that all season long this year. There are going to be other guys in the mix, but I do think that what we're seeing now is more representation of what his skill set means. You know what his skill set can do if that team is playing the kind of offense I expect him to play. So I'll be overdrafting him again. You're so welcome. what? So but, all right, but what about what about so what about like at one point zero seven? Um, it's about where I was drafting Joe Mixon this past year, so I'll, I'll hurt myself again. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to hurt you, man. JT, dude, is the J, JT is I think it is too, right? I mean, and and the only thing that would slow my roll a little bit is overpaying this year. But even at that, I'm willing to compound my mistakes. I'm not afraid of that. I've been around the block enough to know uh, I can screw up badly twice in a row, and I'll live it. <laughs> one, one, one more running back. Maybe this guy will get to round four. What about Miles Gaskin? Early, early round four. Do you think his ADP will settle there? Or yeah, think I think people people aren't going to trust this, right? I mean, you know, Miami will play whoever is you know whoever they have at the moment, and things may change with the draft this year or with free agency. I just, I don't think they're, I don't think they're convinced. And 
look, I'm not convinced either. I mean, I, I could is any given week, uh, you know, Salvan Ahmed was as good as Miles Gaskin. It's just that they seem to prefer Gaskin. That's the only thing he has going for him right now. I think that's worth a fourth round pick. Um, I don't think it's worth any higher. Well, see, and, and the thing is, yeah, it's like once because they, they had these other guys fill in. Ahmed looked okay. They were fine. But once, yeah. but once Gaskin was back, he was like, yeah, they he, forgot he, about everybody else again. Seventy six percent, seventy five percent snap counts. Yep. All right. What about some wide receivers? Who goes first next year? Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen? No, Jefferson will go first. What about uh, Julio Jones or DK Metcalf? Metcalf will go first. Uh, what about what about AJ Brown or Keenan Allen? Um, look, Keenan Allen went really late this year, right? I mean, yep. he'll do it again this year. I, maybe Justin Herbert. You don't think people think Herbert? Herbert. Right, I think Herbert maybe will change that a little bit. But honestly, you know, the new coaching staff will have something to say about that for me because I, I was one of the people willing to pay up for Allen. I had him on every roster. Um, but I mean, they used the usage of him as, you know, a, a glorified tight end, basically, you know, he runs those over the middle routes. I'd like them. To, I'd like him to get a little more premium looks and maybe a new, uh, maybe, you know, I don't know, Joe Brady. I'm, I don't know. Maybe, you know, a more oh, offensive God, Joe Brady with Justin Herbert, right. A more offensive minded coach would like maybe be pretty appealing there. I'm going to say on Herbert. All right. <clears throat> so it seemed like coming in the knock on him and you can maybe fill this in for me more was, as much about his demeanor as anything. Right. And, and, and he, he, to me, he looks like one of those guys that turns out like he didn't have a lot to say until you put him in his element. And then he just does his thing. And I looked at the way he played this year. He was so aggressive. And so, I mean, he's, you know, not just throwing the ball downfield, but when it came time to stick his helmet in the middle of the linebacker's chest, whatever it was, he just looks like he's comfortable playing football. He's awesome. He's just, uh, he's a pleasure to watch dude. Yeah, and, 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 Love and, and what we've, what we've seen, I mean, admittedly, it's a, it's a, it was the, it's the very top of my range of expectations. I, I, I mean, I always knew that the the potential was there for him to to be this kind of player, but Jesus, like, it really is the very he's basically as good as I could ever imagine him yep. him being. So he's just just been a wonderful surprise. And, and uh, think about it, he didn't have his full range of weapons for you know big chunks of the season the the pieces all the pieces weren't there for him and how bad and, and how bad is it that this idiot anthony lynn like he he, he wouldn't have started him until week 10 or something like that not, not punctured, his, punctured tyrod's lung doing that uh whatever but uh all right and then one final one here i and this one to me is kind of hard as i'm trying to put together just the skeleton of the best ball cheat sheets and figure this out like, who do you think people are going to choose choose between brandon cooks and and and, and will fuller the you team, know, it might come down Texas to the fact that Fuller's going to miss a game, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that'll that probably drive people off him. Look, we, you know, and probably shouldn't drive them off as much as it will. But these things stick in our mind a little bit. And, and some of this is going to depend on how the contracts play out, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Fuller, you know, Deshaun Watson would certainly like Will Fuller back. I'd like Will Fuller back. To me, you know, I, he was one of the guys that I was investing in like a maniac this year. Oh, because sure. why? Sixth round, fifth round. You know, he, he started climbing a little bit towards the end. But you could get, I think I, I, I could remember drafts where I was getting him seventh round easily and people were just avoiding him because he's always hurt. He's always just, yeah, but when he's on the field, he's a wide receiver one. He gives you a lever over all the other guys that drafted in that range. I'm, I'm all about him. And, and I'll, I'll hope that that one game suspension drives people off him. All right. So wanted to ask, ask you just a, a couple of random questions here before asking you a little bit about fantasy playoff kind of general strategy. If you have any takes or tips for that, or if you're playing any of that stuff this year. Um, but just to co- like, 
I figured I got I got Bob Harris on the pod. Um, it is it is officially resolution season. <laughs> I know I know that you've had a you've had a a, a a weight loss journey that you've chronicled through your various social um, pages and stuff like that. I, like, but yet yeah, you lost a ton of weight. Um, Probably a while back. I mean, you, yeah, it's been, you've been the same size been, since I've known you. But. Yeah, I was over the course of time. It was I probably was up over well over four hundred pounds, and over the course of about eight nine years, I lost a couple hundred pounds. Just you know, kind of grinding away at the stone, exercising every day, dialing in my nutrition, etc. Well, so I mean, pe- pe- people on this show, in, in, kind of in between the lines, whenever we're t- Byron and I are talking, they hear about all the virtues of going out and collecting your own meat and having that kind of, having that right. kind of diet with the hunting and fishing, but you do it a different way. And I uh, I'd like to hear, uh, I'd, I'd like, so are you still doing the last time we talked, you were doing like the vegan or plant-based plant-based, is- basically plant-based. Like, like it wasn't a religious conversion or anything. If somebody came and slapped me in the face with a, with a hunk of elk and some of it in my mouth, I'd be okay. Um, <laughs> but, but I, but I generally don't What I'm looking for is just, uh, you know, the, the program I follow is basically I eat a couple pounds of vegetables a day, a pound of raw vegetables, a pound of cooked vegetables. Um, I eat a fair amount of beans. There's some rice involved. But how much – when I'm trying to picture a pound of raw vegetables, what am I picturing here? Like a like two squash and a, and a some kind about, of – About a pound of spinach and ground up in a drink. Oh, okay. So like a pound – I guess a pound is like a couple of – Couple of vegetables. Is that like yeah. a bag of squash? Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Like a bag of spinach. A bag of spinach would be. So I usually mix it in with other stuff: kale or greens, mustard greens, turnip greens, whatever. Um, and there's other stuff: a lot of tomatoes, a lot of onions, a lot of peppers. Um, so you know, it's kind of, kind of just scramble around and figure out the things I like and use them. Because honestly, the funny thing about this was I was not a big vegetable eater. I'm not. A, I, I hated vegetables mostly because when you grew up, when I did. In the '60s, your mom cooked vegetables into a mush, mm-hmm. and well, you no, kind of. That was the same with my mom in the '80s too. And so <laughs> it turns out, like fresh vegetables, raw yeah. vegetables, well prepared vegetables are all pretty damn tasty, and yeah. I don't really have an issue with it. And it's been like this is uh, this is my fourth year of it, and uh, I don't miss meat at all. I, I, I'm, uh, you know, and part of this is you know uh, cleaning the, working on the insides of your body and making sure you know trying to work for longevity. You know, I'm 800 now. I'm looking to live till I'm a thousand, and uh, no, I, you know that's part of it. And, you know, so when I do check in with the doctor and stuff, uh, his happiness at all the blood chemistry and the things where I'm at, where I wasn't at before, uh, seemed to be a good idea. And daily exercise is really important. Uh, you know, it's hard during the season, but I still get in uh, at least an hour. Now it's not the season. I do two hours a day, um, and and I push myself pretty hard for old people. So. So I think that's really important to keep moving and, and just watch your nutrition. And what I'm doing, I'm not saying is the right thing for everybody. I mean, you can, you know, look, there are heavy meat based eyes or what I have friends who, you know, uh, believe in the keto kind of diets and everything and almost have nothing but meat. So, you know, I don't think there's any one. It's just like fantasy questions, right? I want this guy or this guy. Well, there's a range of outcomes for both of those guys and there's not necessarily a wrong answer. You're going to find out after the fact. So, I think there's a lot of ways to to I would say skin that cat, but my cat is behind me and he doesn't like it. When I yeah, say. right, right. Okay, uh, but, but, all right. So, just a couple of questions off of that. Do you uh, have you tried and do you like these substitute sort of meat products like the Beyond Meat or these these um, 
kind of these like what and what do you think about that like lab grown meat would you um, eat it or is it like do honest, i do i do about once a month like i said i don't really miss meat so i've never really felt like a great need for it but i you know started trying it and some of it's pretty good and they do a really good job so i don't mind having a beyond beef burger i'll cook one once or twice a month maybe and uh and enjoy it but uh and i think they do a really good job with them they cook up it's mostly about texture but they use a lot of pea protein which is I, look pea protein is protein and peas is like is peas have as much protein as beef right i mean per per 100 grams or whatever you actually more so i mean i think there's ways to get the protein and that's the key is getting the protein i also i use some supplements and stuff like you know i'm a big user of like shakeology i'm a beach body workout fan so I use all their products and stuff. And so I drink the Shakeology that they've had out for a hundred years. I, I was doing that before I went plant-based. Now I use their vegan version of that product. And, and so uh, honestly, it, it, the thing I thought was, this is going to be impossible. I can't do this. I've never, I had never considered, you know, like myself to be a vegetable eater. I was a meat eater, loved meat. I just don't know if meat loves us. You know, I think everything in moderation is fine. Again, I'm not telling anyone, oh, don't eat meat. It's horrible for you. No, I'm just trying something different. And if in five more years I go back to eating meat, it would not be a total shock depending on how I feel. Do you find yourself eating the same thing all the time yes. for dinner? Like yes. you, you do? Like what is it, what's a typical Bob here's dinner? Like, is so it, I have like a kind of a salad. Or is oh, I track everything, right? I use an app called MyFitnessPal. Um, that allows you to track every single thing, track all my workouts, all my nutrition and that just to make sure I'm on point. And, uh, and so the easy way to do that is I copy meals from one day to the next. So I eat the same thing every Monday, every Tuesday, every <laughs> Wednesday, every Thursday. So I just copy it over. But a lot of it is, is very similar things. There's a lot of rice and beans with the uh, So what, you know, like four days a week, it'll be rice and beans and something else, whatever the vegetable of the day is for that day or some days, you know, different things. I eat a lot of, uh, uh, of pasta that is like not pasta pasta, but legume pasta, like whether it's, uh, uh -huh. you know, I'll eat a lot of uh, green lentil, red lentil pasta, chickpea pasta, um, and it's all fine. And so a lot of things like that. So uh, the other food thing I wanted to ask you about, just since you're from New Mexico, I, I'm not sure that I mentioned that earlier. You live in Santa Fe or where do you live? I live, in, I live in Albuquerque. I've lived here for about 20 some years. I'm from Tucson originally. So okay. Southwestern all the way. Why, why do New Mexican people love green chili so much? Why they do you guys love here. that? They grow here. I, so, uh, so I said, I came from Tucson where we eat more Sonoran Mexican food, right? Mm -hmm. uh, more tomato based, more uh, jalapeno peppers, different yeah. kinds of peppers and things like that. And I love that as well. I've come to love the way they do it here. The green chilies are pretty delicious. I probably eat some green chilies almost every day, oh, I guess. Well, probably, yeah. Yeah, I come in and, and, and I, it just seems to be a local thing. Also, the red chili is a big thing here. If you order food here, they'll ask you literally red or green. Uh, you know, so like everything you get at a Mexican restaurant, they're going to ask you that question, red or green. And you say Christmas because you want some of both, uh, like uh, Alvin Kamara's shoes. Um, <laughs> but the green chili, is, it's a good taste. Uh, they fire roast them. It's a big deal here. You go to the store and there's a big fire roasting vat outside the store and they'll roast them right up for you. My neighbors across the street every year, they'll buy a couple hundred pounds and pull their roaster out into the driveway and roast them. And it's a big ass deal here.
they the couple hundred pounds. What do they do? Do they give them away they to the them. neighbors? Some of them they give away. Some of them they freeze. Like I have a ton in my freezer right now. Well, Always. I'll, I'll, I'll bet you got a neighbor that grills up a hundred pounds every year, man. Oh, yeah, got you. <laughs> okay. All right, man. Be, uh, again, he's Bob Harris. Find him on Twitter. It's just at, at Football Diehard on, yep. on on Twitter, right? Uh, I'm sure you guys are already following him, but if, if not, give him a follow over there. Of course, you can hear what, what is the what is your upcoming program schedule on on serious for Lord. It's, I, is it about to change? I, guess. I, I think it did change already. So football diehard show gave way on Monday night and Friday nights to other shows. Lee Sands back. And I think Kyle and Ray are back on Fridays. Uh, so Lee Sand and Ronis are on those nights. So Dempsey and I are back on our usual off season Saturday nights, three hours. And also we alternate on fantasy dirt with Michael Fabiano in the week. So That's you can right. hear one right. of us from six to eight with Fabiano. And like, so this week it'll be three days of Dempsey and two days of me. Next week it'll be three days of me, two days of Dempsey, and we'll just do that all off season. And dude, to be honest, my favorite episodes of those sh- of those shows. I know you guys like doing it daily during the season, but man, those three hour shows during the off season are uh, those are my favorite. Uh, honestly, if I, that's all I did. I think that's the most value comes where we can just dive deep, and we do. We'll bring in beat writers uh, from just all the teams and, and go deep, do a full 15, 20 minutes with each of them and then sit back and talk it through and figure out what we like about players. I agree with you. I think those are really useful and I love doing them. One other thing I love doing before I get you out of here, Bob is playing, is playing in these uh, playoff fantasy leagues. You got any, uh, are you playing in any this year? Do you you have any, any tips or tricks you'd like to share with the people? Any, uh, any general strategy or any particular takes about, this year where we have a really cool six game slate coming up this. Yeah. I don't know if there's any secret stuff that I can share with anyone other than, you know, if you're just getting into like a postseason long tournament, uh, pick a side. Hmm. I mean, I think that's the obvious thing. If, if, if you haven't done it before, you know, pick a NFC or AFC quarterback at the onesie positions, at least. Right. And roll with that conference throughout. So if the Super Bowl comes, you at least have a quarterback left uh, from the other conference. uh, So you don't get caught short or tight end or whatever. Whenever we look at this week's games, just for people who are in one and done contests, um, let's just look wild card weekend. And maybe we can just talk about some plays for this weekend, because we always want to look at players for um, players for teams, at least in week one of the wild card that we can that we think are probably going to lose, right. but, but who have, who, but, but who have, who have stud players. So whenever we get the bills versus the Colts, the bills are the two seed, the Colts are the seven seed. Obviously you know, does anything stand up to you because Jonathan Taylor stands out to me as a yep. kind of a week one play. That's we have, the, and you can pivot to the receivers. I, I think, you know, T.Y. Hilton is the guy that you'd probably want to play. I, you know, I don't know how enthusiastic I am. And obviously, Tredavis White will be back, so that's a little bit of an issue. But I don't know if, if Hilton is a shadow level guy anymore. So, but I think that's a low level play. That if you you know you're kind of trying going through the sticks, the seeds and stems at the end of the thing, he's there, right? And then what what do you feel about what do you do you ever look ahead to say like, well, I, I think. I think if the Bills are going to make, if the Bills might eventually get the Ravens, 
Should I use Stefan Diggs a little bit earlier? I don't know yeah. that, but but that's just something that you should also yeah. be, also be thinking about. Right, those are all the calculations. You'll know in advance who the range of four opponents is for whatever you know the teams that are coming out of buys or the teams going forward. Here's the possible outcomes. Well, I don't necessarily like both of those outcomes or one of those outcomes. Uh, doesn't seem especially beneficial to me. So yeah, maybe I'll fire the Diggs uh, shell right now. What what about uh, this? It probably, it's kind of hard to 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 decide what you're going to do with Derrick Henry and one and done because they're yeah. playing the Ravens. Um, not the best matchup, but then you might lose the ability to play right. Derrick Henry because it's really – so that's another thing. I don't, I don't know if there's a bad matchup for him, and I might just get him out of the way, you know, out of concerns that they aren't going to make a pass. You know, I think this has the uh, – you know, when we look back to last year, I mean, there could be some points scored in this game. Uh, and uh, I think there could be a fair amount of offense on both sides. So I would be afraid to play offensive players in either side. What about uh, looking at the NFC just quickly here? So this, so the two seed Saints are playing the seven seed Bears, and the Bears, I think the Bears lose that. Yeah, but they have that a but they have a couple of pretty good fantasy <laughs> options sure. there, David Montgomery and Allen Robinson. So sure, maybe- I'd probably be looking to get Robinson in. And, uh, you know, every time I say the Saints play great against run uh, opposing runners, they don't. So uh, I probably wouldn't be shy. I probably would shy off uh, Montgomery. And then uh, finally – Man, what it's just we got to hope that the Seahawks get past the Rams because right, we, wanna, because we don't want to use DK Metcalf versus these guys. Dude. I mean, do we? Offense, I mean, we keep talking, you know, about their defense is getting better. It's not getting great. It's getting better, but their offense is getting exponentially lousier. I mean, just the, the point totals haven't been there, and it seems like you know whatever the issue is, Russell Wilson, they are not letting him cook, or he's not cooking one or the other. So I'd probably be dialed back on that passing attack and, and maybe, you know, look, I wouldn't mind playing Chris Carson, uh, assuming he's, uh, he's on the up and up. See, like, what did he have? Did it look like something happened to his ear. Maybe he lost an earring. That's probably yeah. won't be that serious. Well, I, well, I noticed that he still had the earring in, so okay. I don't think that the, I'm not sure that the bleeding was, uh, was, was related to that. And then finally, do you think that, do you think that the football team, I can't. How is the football team higher seated than than the than the Bucks? Um, <laughs> Their championship. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, any, I guess maybe would if if you could, would you even want to play Antonio Gibson versus this Bucks defense? No, no. Well, there's going to be no Devin White. We know that for sure. I think they get you know probably some of the other pieces back. I think McClendon didn't test positive. I think uh, Shaq Barrett didn't test positive. So I think those guys will be back. But Devin White's a big, you know, big piece of that defense, right? So, yeah, I think they get Carlton Davis back too. So, look, I'm not looking to, I'm not looking to force football team guys into my lineup for any reason. I mean, I thought McLaurin, you know, a heroic, valiant effort on his part. I don't think he's still okay, and I don't think this, you know, this is going to be a great game. But don't like his quarterback play, so probably wouldn't be uh, trying to shoehorn any uh, football teamers into my lineup this week.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.